This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Thursday, June 30th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. The Senate's GMO labeling compromise has cleared a key first hurdle. Last night, the Senate voted 68 to 29 to overcome opponents' objections to taking up the legislation. The procedural vote only needed a simple majority. But the big margin indicates the bill should easily have the 60 votes necessary to make it filibuster-proof. That critical cloture vote will occur after senators return next Wednesday for the long holiday weekend. Fifteen Democrats and Maine Independent Angus King joined the Agriculture Committee's ranking member, Debbie Stabenow, in support of the biotech bill last night. Just three Republicans voted against it. Chuck Connor, president of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, called the vote a strong show of support that reflects the endorsement the bill received from over 1,000 food and agriculture groups. Nobel laureates jump into the GMO debate. Some 107 Nobel Prize winners in chemistry, economics, medicine, and physics have signed a letter endorsing agriculture biotechnology. The message, which will be the subject of a news conference at the National Press Club today, is specifically addressed to Greenpeace and its objection to golden rice. But the laureates are more broadly endorsing the safety and benefits of the GMOs and the need for genetically engineered crops. The letter emphasizes that scientific and regulatory agencies worldwide, quote, have repeatedly and consistently found crops and foods improved through biotechnology to be as safe, if not safer, than those derived from any other method of production. The letter ends with a strongly worded challenge. How many poor people in the world must die before we consider this a crime against humanity? The letter makes no reference to GMO labeling, but the timing couldn't be better for supporters of the Senate's biotech disclosure bill. An article about the letter received prominent play at the Washington Post website. Acreage stocks reports due today. At noon Eastern today, USDA will issue its closely watched survey of spring plantings. Analysts surveyed by the Wall Street Journal expecting the acreage report to show record plantings of soybeans because of the disappointing South American harvest that set futures prices higher. USDA's quarterly grain stocks report will also be posted today. USDA clarifies sod saver exemption. USDA has finalized changes to the crop insurance program with a tweak to the sod saver provisions required by the 2014 Farm Bill. Under that legislation, farmers who are caught breaking up native grasslands in the upper Midwest will see their premium subsidies cut in half. A final rule being published today in the Federal Register clarifies an exemption that allows farmers to break up to five acres of native sod without getting the subsidy cut. USDA received some complaints that the subsidy cut is only for four years. It was suggested that a farmer could break up native sod, plant the ground to an uninsured crop for four years, and then switch to an insured crop with no loss of subsidy. USDA doesn't dispute that could happen, but says it had no authority to tighten the restriction. ITC report details trade benefits. One day after Donald Trump delivered an unexpected attack on U.S. trade policy in Pennsylvania, U.S. International Trade Commission released a report detailing how the country has benefited from multilateral and bilateral deals. According to the ITC, consumers saved about $13.4 billion in 2014 alone, that because of tariff cuts that resulted from the agreements. The 374-page report lays out ways in which U.S. exports have benefited. U.S. pork exports are among the examples the report cites. 
U.S. shipments to Colombia triple between 2011 and 2014, thanks to a trade pact the two countries signed. Global food security improves. An annual measure of food security around the world found that most countries made improvements last year. The Economist Intelligence Unit, which maintains the Global Food Security Index, attributed the improvement in falling food prices and rising incomes, as well as an overall economic growth. Some 89 of the 113 counties in the index improved their scores. Indonesia showed the biggest improvement, followed by Myanmar, the United Kingdom, and Ecuador. The nations with the biggest declines included the war-torn countries of Yemen and Syria, as well as Haiti and the Ivory Coast. Trade preferences losing poverty-fighting benefit. It has long been argued that providing duty-free treatment to exports from low-income countries can alleviate poverty and reduce hunger. A new report from the U.S. Trade Representative says while such trade preferences do make a difference, the impact is waning as countries reduce tariffs through trade agreements. The USTA report also says that there are many other hurdles that poor countries must overcome to increase exports, that including poor transportation systems and telecommunications and a lack of credit for farmers. The report also says that even without the trade preferences, U.S. tariffs are generally already low. Here's today's He Said It. We're going to keep on pushing hard to shape an international order that works for our people. But we're not going to be able to do that by cutting off trade because that's going to make all of us poor. That's President Barack Obama defending his trade policy in a joint news conference with leaders of Canada and Mexico. That is Daybreak for this Thursday, June 30th. AgriPulse Daybreak is brought to you by McLeod, Watkinson & Miller, America's most experienced law firm in agricultural and derivatives law, and by Dairy Management Incorporated. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Daly.